from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I am your host this week, Keith Niebern. I am joined by Auburn Undercover editor Brandon Marcello to talk Auburn hoops, and there's a lot going on specifically with one of Auburn's star players from the past season during this Final Four run, and that is Chuma Okiki. The Auburn forwards, Auburn career is over. Brandon reported Monday night that Okiki has signed with an agent and intends to stay in the NBA draft rather than return for his junior season, per sources. Uh, Of course, that news comes on the heels of Okiki pulling out of the interview process at the NBA Combine in Chicago. But this is significant news, Brandon. Obviously, this was a sensational player this past season, particularly down the stretch, you know, when Auburn was making that ridiculous run in March, finished the season with averaging 12 points and 6.8 boards a game, about two assists a game, over a block a game, almost two steals a game. I mean, there really wasn't much that the six feet eight sophomore from Atlanta didn't do. But Brandon, this really uh, is a major impacting news development for the Auburn basketball program. Yeah, when we I saw that his name was, you know, being pulled out of the NBA combine interview process, I was like, well that could mean anything because the interviews hadn't even started yet. And remember, as everybody knows, Chumo Kiki tore his ACL in the Sweet Sixteen, so he can't compete in any of these drills they're having at the NBA combine, the only reason why he was going was to participate in the interview process. You're thinking, okay, he's pulled out of the interview process. So he's made up his mind one way or the other, which way is that? Well, I explained on Twitter. I was like, kind of like thinking out loud, what means this or this. And what it meant was that he's either a, I'm coming back to Auburn or B, I've been told and promised something by a couple of teams that they're going to pick me up in the second round or early second round or something like that. And that's good enough for me. And I'm going to stay in the NBA draft. And so I started doing some poking around and sure enough, during that time, like, you know, 10 minutes later, I think ESPN, the same people who reported that he was pulling out of the combine reported that he's a a signing with an agent, keeping his name, the NBA draft. And then I got confirmation later as well from a source, um, and that's kind of what he heard. Uh, he heard what he liked um, from some folks up there before the interview processes really even began. So no reason for him to, to come back to Auburn the way he sees it. I talked to someone who's close to him. Uh, they told me that, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, if he had stayed at Auburn, the earliest he probably would return to the court from this ACL injury is January, which would be right around in the uh, time the SEC schedule starts, if not a little bit later. Well, I was told that uh, after this news came out that, hey, it's looking maybe more like February or maybe even March for him. And if that was the case, at least in Auburn, for Auburn, if he were to return to Auburn, you're, you're looking at him maybe playing in a handful of games near the end of the season. There's no telling if that would mess up with chemistry. Um, I'm not saying I'm giving excuses as to why Auburn wouldn't want him. What I'm saying is is that he had to consider that himself. And for the NBA, obviously, the season doesn't end in February or he is even close to ending in February. So he's got an opportunity here to get drafted. Certainly, if he had stayed healthy, 
he would have been a first-round draft pick. I think the point of all this is this, uh, Keith. No matter if he got injured or not, he was going to go to the NBA. The only the bad news for him is that he tore his ACL, and if he had not torn his ACL, he'd be a first-round guy right now, and there would be no question about it. We'd know he wouldn't be coming back. But he was kind of teetering on that edge of, well, maybe he'll come back, rehabilitate a little bit, improve his draft stock. But the, the way that injury and the timing of it, it just makes sense for him that if he can get promised a spot somewhere in the NBA draft, you might as well jump now because you're probably not really going to be able to play all that much next season. Or at the very least, if you do play, you're probably not going to be playing 100% because you're going to be still trying to get in game shape near the end of the season. So long story short, after hearing all that, no surprise to, to hear that, but certainly it, it's a big hit to Auburn's lineup because he, as we all know, he was the best pro prospect on the roster. We all knew that in the NCAA tournament, watching him just demolish Kansas and demolish North Carolina before he had that injury. I mean, it's North Carolina. It was just phenomenal. He dominated Luke May, had 20 points and 11 rebounds. I thought he was on his way to a 30-point, like, 18-rebound game. And uh, he got injured. He tore his ACL with eight minutes and eight seconds remaining in the game. And, um, you know, from that moment on, you just kind of thought this this might be the end for him at Auburn. We may have just seen one of the best Auburn players, but we only got to see one of the best Auburn players really play – almost to their full potential because I don't think he's re- realized his full potential yet only for about like three weeks or maybe two weeks really. So that that's the one thing is I'm sure as an Auburn fan, uh, you know, if you're sitting there, you're selfishly thinking, man, I wish we could have seen this guy play more because he would have been an Auburn legend, I think, if he stuck around for another year and was able to play an entire SEC season next season. But it just didn't look like that was going to happen because of the injury. It didn't look like he's going to be able to return in January. So – it looked like the, the smartest thing for him to do was to go ahead and stay in the NBA draft, and that's what he's going to do. And uh, so is Jared Harper, Auburn's point guard, who's forgoing his senior year to stay in the draft too. And, you know, listen, Keith, this is what happens when teams are very good. Auburn hasn't seen this before, obviously, and this is how it's going to be. It could be like this every year now under Bruce Pearl or every couple years. And that's what you want. Bruce Pearl has been preparing fans for this. He's even been saying this type of stuff. He told me this last spring in our driving planes interview that if we've got players talking about leaving for the NBA and they decide to stay or go, when someone leaves, you shouldn't be sad. You should be thinking, Oh, we're just going to get another guy to step up because they're going to want to do the same thing. And that's what great programs do. And Bruce Pearl depending on what happens over these next couple of years, I think has definitely got Auburn in position, especially when you look at the recruiting, the way it's going right now to be able to do just that. All right. 60 something, 70 something games. Tuma played. I think it was 72 games. He ended up playing in an Auburn uniform, started 38 games, uh, you know, right around double digit scoring, you know, six rebounds for his career, six rebounds a game. But the statistics really don't tell the tale. This is a guy that, you know, had Auburn not had two prolific shooting guards, probably score 16, 17, 18 points a game this year. Uh, but what is his legacy, Brandon? Because, you know, just as, a, as somebody that's followed this team to the last two two years, uh, to me, there's some irony here. I don't think they make the final four without Juma. And certainly, though, they actually won the elite game, elite eight game without him. But he had so much impact on the program, big time recruit out of Atlanta, uh, just, you know, really played big in big moments. And uh, so in your opinion, what, what what's this guy's legacy is, as he departs Auburn? 
I think when everybody looks back on it, and I think people are even saying it now, and I, I've I've been saying it as others have, if Chumo Kiki did not tear his ACL, um, I really believe this, and I'm not just blowing smoke or anything. I think Auburn wins the national championship. Um, they were in such a stride as Chumo Kiki was growing into the man he was destined to be on the basketball floor in the NCAA tournament that they weren't just beating Kansas and North Carolina. They were drilling them. North Carolina was not getting drilled at all this season. They were knocking off Duke. They were near the top of the ACC. And Auburn goes on to defeat North Carolina, of course, without Okiki on the floor the last eight minutes. They go on to beat Kentucky, a team that they had been drilled by earlier in the season, and they did it without Okiki. Then they go to the Final Four, and they lose on a controversial finish, which easily should have went Auburn's way because of the double, not no call on the double dribble. They lose 63-62 to to the eventual national champion, Virginia. You mean to tell me that if Chumo Kiki was not out there, well, if he was out there, that would not have had a significant impact? I think Auburn had found its stride offensively and defensively. I think they would have beaten Virginia – and I think they would have went on to beat Texas Tech in the NCAA championship, and Auburn would be hanging a different type of banner up in the Auburn arena, and <laughs> Bruce Pearl would probably be getting paid uh, substantially more, even more than his uh, contract that he just recently signed or agreed to recently. And I know it's easy to say all that in hindsight. Hindsight's twenty twenty, But if you look how that team was playing with and without Okiki, down the stretch in those last two games compared to how they were playing in the NCAA tournament. Much different team, much different flow. The offense was a lot different. And uh, Okiki, as much as we talk about his offense, his defense was incredible. I remember the Kansas game. He he had a steal that led to a fast break layup early. He had a block early that led to another layup on the other end. And all of a sudden, Auburn's up double digits. And, oh, by the way, Okiki starts scoring a little bit, and by the time halftime hits, he's already hitting like his season average, and from then on, they just cruise. He didn't really have to play the rest of the way. And then North Carolina was really his coming out game. I mean, he just dominated Luke May and got that offense in a rhythm unlike we've seen. I mean, they nearly scored 100 on North Carolina, and I, I just think that if he had not gotten injured, Auburn would have won a national championship. Even, but without him, but with him on the sideline and him being injured, I think his legacy at Auburn that that will be always be in the back of people's minds. But it'll also be just how special it was to watch that run in the Final Four, and just how special it was that once Okiki went down on the floor uh, with that injury, that Auburn was still able to make the Final Four, and they used uh, Okiki uh, as extra motivation in his injury. And it was really just an amazing story in that final week of the season, heading into the Elite Eight and then obviously into the Final Four. Just with his his presence and the the team saying, do it for Chuma all the time. Um, I'll never forget. There's so many moments I'll never forget. But what I, I just, I'm just now thinking of it, but I don't know if you remember this, Keith, watching the Final Four game against Virginia. <clears throat> when Auburn looked like they were probably about to win the game and Anthony McLemore went up to the free throw line. Not a great free throw shooter, by the way. And uh, he's about to shoot the biggest free throws of his life to put Auburn up, I think, you know, uh, by two possessions to potentially win the game. Uh, he's whispering to himself on TV, do it for Chuma, do it for Chuma, do it for Chuma. And th this is stuff you write in books and in screenplays and everything. It was just a magical year. 
and Chumo Kiki was a huge, huge part of it, and he will forever not only be tied to that team, but tied to the with possibilities of what could have been had he not uh, crumbled to the floor with 808 remaining against North Carolina. All right, I'm looking at the statistics, the final stats from the 2018-2019 Auburn Tigers Final Four team. Bryce Brown, 15.9 points a game. Jared Harper, 15.3. Chuma Okiki, 12.0. Those are the top three scores. They're all gone now. That's 43 points a game. Auburn as a team averaged 79.6 points a game. Jared Harper leaving after three years. He's headed to the NBA. Chuma after two years. Obviously, Bryce Brown was in college for four. But, Brandon, that's over 50% of the scoring. There is a lot to replace where does Auburn go from here? Because this is a significant development with Chuma once and for all, you know, making that final decision to to stay in the draft. It's it's a huge question, and um, I mean, if you're not expecting Auburn to take a little bit of a step back this next season, you'd be crazy. And I know no one wants to hear that, but as you just said, they not only just lost, you know, their three top scoring threats offensively, but they lost their two three point best three point shooters, and that's what this whole program is built around is three point shooting. And then add this to the to the uh, the stew, so to speak, Keith. They're about to back the three point line up further this upcoming season. So it's because there's too many three pointers <laughs> being made. Um, I, it just kind of all adds up for something that could not necessarily be a disappointing year. I'm not saying that, but. It's not going to be – you're not going to have a Final Four team on, on on the campus next season. I might be wrong. I never thought this team would have done it this past season, but they, they just lose too much offensively. And But they do – I mean, listen, they're getting some good kids in here uh, already. I mean, you're looking at a guy like Isaac Okoro that a lot of people will look at and go, maybe he can step up, provide some quality minutes at that three or four spot for Auburn. Chuma played the four. Dangel Purifoy comes back. Can he get back in shape and be fully healthy for an entire season and kind of live up to his potential in replacing Chumo Kiki? I think that would he wouldn't necessarily be as good as Chuma, but I think he'd be a good fit for Auburn in this offense because he's a veteran now. He understands everything. And what's so interesting to me about this upcoming team at Auburn, you know, if you told me two, three years ago, that, you know, Jared Harper and Chumo Kiki, you know, we're going to be two guys that are going to be the NBA potentially before D'Angelo Purifoy and Austin Wiley. I would have told you you're crazy. If you told me Austin Wiley and D'Angelo Purifoy were going to be in Auburn uniforms in the 2019-2020 season, I would have told you it's crazy. Because, I mean, we all know about how they had to sit out and everything. Uh, because of the uh, FBI investigation and everything into Chuck Person, which is all settled now. But outside of that, Austin Wiley and Purefoy definitely had the opportunity, you know, this season to prove themselves again and go to the NBA, but they weren't able to quite do that. Wiley fought injuries and Purefoy was playing off the bench, but they both played big in some big spots. They didn't necessarily have the numbers, but there were crucial moments you went, they changed a game here or there or at least change the momentum for three or four minutes to really help Auburn in the postseason. Now, these are the two guys, two of the several guys that have come on board early in Bruce Pearl's tenure. There were four or five-star guys that you're going to go, okay, they brought you on to maybe do this a year or two ago, but you're here now still. It's time for you to take over 
and be the guys, off, offensively, defensively, leadership-wise, everything. It's time for them to step up and be the guys that everybody thought they were going to be two, three years ago. Um, and this is their moment. This is their moment to do it. And if they can do that and then also get some help from some of these youngsters that are coming in, like Isaac Okoro, um, Turbo Jones, Tyrell Jones, who's probably going to be, I would think, a backup point guard behind Javon McCormick going into this season as they try to replace Jared Harper. I think the biggest spot they've got to fill on the floor, though, is Bryce Brown's spot. He was a senior. Obviously, he couldn't come back anyway. How do you replace the best three-point shooter in Auburn history and the second best in SEC history on an Auburn team that was breaking records all across the board? I don't know how you do that, especially considering this past weekend they missed out on Rajon Tucker a graduate transfer from UALR. He chose Memphis over Auburn, Kansas, and Iowa State. And Auburn was really, really trying to go after him to kind of be like a stopgap, you know, kind of a guy that would fit in and fill a much-needed spot for a year. So they're not doing that, but they're looking on the grad transfer market right now for a guy that can come in and be a scorer, potentially a facilitator, so that they can maybe move some guys off the ball, maybe even move Javon McCormick off the ball. Um I know that sounds strange because McCormick's always been a point guard, but McCormick has shown that he can drive to the basket and hit and hit buckets. We saw that this postseason. We saw it throughout the season. And on Monday, we saw news right before actually Chumo Kiki's news came out that uh, Southern Cal graduate transfer Derek Thornton is looking to land somewhere, and he has Auburn among the five potential landing spots. He's got visits set up at three other schools right now, including St. John's um, and Gonzaga. But he doesn't have a visit uh, scheduled for Auburn, though he's talking to them. This is a guy that was a five-star player out of high school. He was one of the top players in the entire country, obviously, as a five-star guy. I'm trying to remember what he's right. He was ranked, oh, yeah, he was ranked the number three point guard in the nation out of high school in 2015. Went to Duke for a year. Didn't do great, but he did okay. Um, but then he went to USC, sat out a year, and he came off the bench in 2017-18 and only averaged 3.8 points per game. But this past season, he started 27 games, averaged 7.7 points of 4.3 assists, but also turned it over two times a game. And they end up benching him in favor of freshman Elijah Weaver. And now he's looking to land somewhere to play one last season. Auburn's giving him a look. I think Auburn's really trying to figure out a way to fill that spot by Bryce Brown, whether it's bringing in a guy that can handle the ball and then maybe move McCormick over or something along those lines. Uh, I don't quite know, but if Auburn's going to bring anybody in for immediate help as far as a grad transfer market, it's not going to be someone to replace Chumo Kiki. It's going to be someone to replace Bryce Brown because that's where their biggest need is right now. And this team will and always will love to shoot the three ball and they've got to get someone in here to, to continue that trend. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus. Official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. 
Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. You know, that change in the three-point line, I think, potentially could help teams that have significant inside offensive threats. So, you know, because you're talking about extending a defense, having less, uh, having far more space to cover between the three-point line and inside the paint. And I wonder if that's going to help guys uh, like Austin Wiley and Anthony McLemore, but also a guy like Samir Doherty, who's kind of a tweener guy who can play outside, but also slash and get to the basket. It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Brandon, what, um, you know, look, they're losing a lot of guys, but they got a lot of guys back. What's the state of the program right now? And you touched upon this a little bit earlier. You said, look, this is a good thing that guys are getting drafted or uh, guys are leaving early. Guys are getting looks at the NBA and all that. But, uh, is, how much better of a place is Auburn in now than a year ago, two years ago, three years ago? I mean, is, is it just, are you seeing this and forget about the on-court results? Cause that's obvious. Okay. I get that. But, um, right now, are they in a better posi- position to replace guys than they were a year ago of this magnitude? Oh, certainly. And, you know, the on-court success now, it has been a result of them making promises to guys like Jared Harper and Bryce Brown and Chumo Kiki that, hey, we can compete for championships if you come to Auburn. And that's a hard thing to sell when Auburn has never done that. You know, before they came on board, they'd only won two SEC titles in their entire history. How do you convince someone to come on board and do that? Well, if you're Bruce Pearl, you go, look what I've done everywhere. I've won everywhere else. I mean, Pearl said that uh, a year ago, I remember. He, he was saying, listen, um, I believe we can win a national championship at Auburn because I've won it. I've won a national championship before. It's on the Division II level, but I've done it. I've been to the Sweet 16. I've been to the Elite Eights before. I've been to a Final Four before in Division II. I know what it's like to be in a tournament play and trying to peak at the right time. And that's what Auburn did this past season. And as a result of them winning SEC tournament titles and SEC regular season title and also going to the Final Four all within the space of one calendar year, um, it, what it's done is it's helped them tremendously for the 2020 class, which you go you go to auburnundercover.com right now and you click on commitments, you don't see anybody there right now. But what Auburn's doing is they've got the potential that they're going to have the best 2020 recruiting class, in, I mean, best recruiting class uh, by far in Auburn basketball history. And and Pearl has has known that he knows the 2020 class is just absolutely stacked. They're high on Sharif Cooper. Sharif Cooper is high on them, a five star guard, as everybody knows, out out of the Atlanta area. Uh, Brandon Boston, um, another kid that they're really high on that they believe they can get to Auburn. Uh, Cooper and Boston in the same backcourt would be phenomenal. But those are also guys that could be one and done players. Those could be guys that play two years and they're done. And that's what Auburn's been building toward is getting these guys that are NBA-type players to come in and get them in all, all in at the same time so that they can challenge year to year. And what Auburn had to do to get to that point was they had to make promises to players. They had to get a good mix of guys that were fi- a five-star here and there, a couple there, and then guys that were just overlooked and were workmen, 
like Horace Spencer, even though he was a highly recruited guy, he never quite panned out to live up to that level, but he played his tail off when it mattered most. Um, obviously, Bryce Brown always had a chip on his shoulder and ends up breaking records. So what they did is they got really hard workers to come in and surpassed uh, what they were rated. And then they had some guys that were rated highly that maybe didn't even actually quite live up to their expectations, but they believed in Bruce Pearl. And now Auburn's in a position where after going to the final four, that this recruiting trend will continue to go upward. Cause if you look year to year, Auburn's recruiting just keeps improving. If you look at the quality of players that they've brought in, not necessarily the national ranking, I think Auburn's got a chance to have a top 10, top five class going into 2020. And if that happens, that's a team that you immediately put together. And, you know, you know how everybody talks about Kentucky, just they just get number one guys over and over again. <clears throat> it, it would be like a step below that. You would have a team that would be immediately, you would think, be able to go to a sweet 16. And then who knows, by the end of the season, when all these youngsters are playing together and everything, they can make a Final Four run or something like that. But it's extremely difficult. We have to remind people that. I mean, what was that stat? I, I've already forgotten it. About Duke's been to the Final Four twice in the last, like, what, 15 years or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's It doesn't matter how good you are because anyone can beat anybody in the NCAA tournament. But as far as recruiting and as far as talent, the trend has been steadily going upward for Auburn and uh, – 2020 could be something special as far as that recruiting class. All right, Brandon, I think we've covered everything. Chuma Okiki, a fantastic two-year career. You know, early in the season, he, there were games where he was sort of non-existent, but boy, did he come on strong at the right time. What a great way to close it out. And, uh, you know, obviously, unfortunately, with that injury, nobody will ever forget that moment I mean, he, watching that he, game. He's a guy. Know? He's a guy that literally just grew up in the last month of the season. I mean, we watched yeah. it. And we got to see it up close reporting on it because the locker room was actually open in the postseason. And you saw it game by game. It, it was it was like watching like a like a, a sponge just expanding. This kid was just becoming a man and coming an NBA talent right in front of our eyes. He was living up to his potential and potentially beyond. We had not seen or really scratched the surface of what he was capable of. But I think that North Carolina game, if he did not tear his ACL, he would have had a humongous finish to that game. And then going into the final four, Auburn would have been the talk of, of the final four. Cause I, I think, I think they would have went in and everybody would be like Chumo Kiki, first round guy. They've got all these pieces in place. Why can't they win a national championship? But after that, it was kind of like, well, do it for Chuma. We'll see if they can beat Virginia. They almost did. But if Chumo Kiki was out there, as I said, I think his legacy is going to be, it's always going to be tied to this final four team, but also of, what could have been if he had stayed healthy because he was that special of a player. And it all happened at the last month of the season, and he was growing up into an NBA player. He was the most most humble, so shy type of kid, and then you saw him becoming this this man. It, it, was, it was really, really special to watch, really special to cover, and I hope he has a very long and successful NBA career because uh, he's going to be something special if he keeps it up. I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I tend to think this is a guy that's going to play a long time in the NBA. He's so versatile and he can score. And those are really the two elements that allow people to thrive. I mean, the, the guys that don't survive in the NBA are guys that can't score the basketball. It's that simple. Uh, but, uh, yeah, outstanding career. Uh, and, Brandon, you know, one more stat before we go. Only three players on the Auburn basketball team last year played more than 25 minutes a game. 
Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, and Chumo Kiki. So a lot to uh, a lot to ponder uh, as we're deep into the offseason now. But one thing we know is Bruce Pearl has built Auburn into a championship contender. And they're probably going to be pretty good year in and year out. Sometimes it'll be better than, better than others, obviously. But, Brandon, thanks for breaking down the Chumo Kiki situation and also a look at where Auburn is and where Auburn is headed. That's Brandon Marcello, editor of Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers. I am Keith Niebuhr. Thanks for joining us on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. We'll do it again soon. Take care, everybody. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover. Auburn Undercover.